The reading's taken from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 to 10, and it's on page 1218 of the Church Bible. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Thank you very much. Let's keep that bit of the Bible open. That's the bit we're going to be looking at together. And let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we didn't used to be a people, but now we are. We hadn't previously been shown mercy, but now we have. And so I pray that that would make all the difference in the world to us now as we come to look at your word and come to learn who we are and who you are and what you've done for us and what you're doing among us. Please help us to listen well to what you are saying through your holy word. In Jesus' name, amen. An alien comes down to earth. It's all right, Phil. It's not real. It's just an illustration. Sorry, I look look of shock on his face there. (laughs) An alien. An alien comes down to earth and stops you in the street. Greetings, earthling. It says, we are from the planet Chronuloid 12. We come in peace. We're on a research mission. And he tells you all about how they've been here for a while, and they've been looking into various things, trying to understand earth and its customs. They're nearly done with their projects. They're preparing their report to take back. But one question is still baffling them. What is church? What is it? The aliens can tell it's something special, it's something quite important, but they don't know what it is. How would you answer them? They speak English, so that helps. Uh, after a lot of umming and ahhing, we'd probably end up going, oh, okay, uh, church is a bit like, uh, and then we might get stuck again. What is it like? Is it like a, a school? Church is like a school. It's the place we go and we learn things. Well, kind of. Uh, church is like a hotel, somewhere you go on special occasions where other people serve you and make sure you have a nice time. Not really, no. Is church like a gym where we go and do spiritual exercises to get ourselves in shape 
and a place where if you're not in good spiritual shape, you really don't want to go. Well, I hope not. (laughs) What is church? Well, very helpfully, the Bible's got a number of ways to answer that question. has a number of word pictures that can help us and the people of Chronoloid 12 to understand, to help us visualize what church is about. And over the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at five of those images, those pictures of church. And I'm praying that it helps us to be more excited about church, to be more pleased that we get to be part of it, more committed to one another, and to getting stuck in together. We'll see over the next few weeks how church is like a family, like a body, like a bride, like a flock. But this morning, we will see that church is a building. Church is a building. Now, you might say, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. Aren't we always saying church is not a building, church is the people? And that's absolutely right. This building that we're in is not the church. This is just a a rain shelter so that the church can be dry and warm. It's like a house is not a family, is it? It's, It's somewhere for the family to go. So this is just a building for the church to gather in. But in another sense, church is a building. The Bible talks about church using that picture of a building And that's what we're going to see in the bit of 1 Peter 2 that Rosemary read for us. So do open that again if you've you've closed it up. We're going to be focusing on verses 4 and 5, but dipping into the rest of it as well. Spiritually speaking, church is a building. And not just any old building. God is building a temple. God is building a temple. We'll get to who the stones are in a sec. But let's read verse 5 again to spot what kind of building it is. It says, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So Peter's describing a temple, a spiritual house. If you've got a footnote down the bottom, it might say, or a temple of the Holy Spirit, a temple of the Spirit. It's describing a place where priests go and make sacrifices. That's a temple, isn't it? In the Old Testament, God had a temple, a place that he would dwell with his people, a place you would go to meet with him, a place where sin was dealt with, a place where God was praised. And back then, it was a physical building. It was a beautiful piece of architecture in the heart of Jerusalem. But not anymore. We're told here and elsewhere in the New Testament, now that Jesus has come, that physical temple is now obsolete. It's not needed anymore. And it wouldn't be very long before it actually got knocked down for good. But what we have now is so much better than that. And it is the church, not a building anymore, but a people. A people together who are like a temple. A people designed for worshipping God. A place where we belong. A spiritual house where God and humanity meet. It is an absolutely beautiful thing. I hope this series and this this passage helps us to raise our eyes a little bit and go, oh my goodness, this is what we're dealing with when we talk about church. It is a wonderful thing that God is building this temple among us. But notice that it isn't finished yet. We are being built into it. And that ought to shape how we see it. If we think church is completed, then we're going to walk around very unhappy 
and complaining about all of its faults. And we'll look around and go, well, that needs fixing. And oh, don't, that's very shabby. And I don't like this at all. But if instead we go, no, this is something that is being built. So if we see this is a bit of a building site, then we will hold back on that. We'll start to be able to see its potential. We're going to expect a lot of dust and a lot of banging. We're going to expect to see piles of materials in the way and half-finished rooms where you can still see the sky. We're going to expect a work in progress because that's what the church is. It is something God is building. It's something that's under construction. And it won't be finished until Jesus returns. So until then, we're going to need a little bit of imagination probably. So occasionally we'll be living as part of the church and we'll see, if you like, a room that looks all signed off and done. And we'll go, oh, this is great. Isn't this great? So good. And then at other times we will see things in church life and we're going to have to look at the Bible, the blueprints, (laughs) and go, I think I can see what this is supposed to be. Okay, so if that goes there and that links up to that, oh, okay, now I can see see what this is supposed to be. It's not there yet. It's going to need a bit more work, but it's getting there. And hopefully it will make us more excited about that. Because you can put up with a lot when you see church as a building project rather than something that is the finished article. I wonder whether we need to visualize it, hang lots of these signs around our necks. Danger, under construction. Please wear a hard hat, God at work. And it is God at work. He is the one who's doing the building. We get deeply involved in it, but it's his work. Just as Jesus said, I will build my church. And all the progress in church is ultimately down to him. It is him who is doing the building. All the glory goes to him. And giving glory to him is what a temple is for, isn't it? Let's have a look down at verse 9. Where to kind of mix the metaphors a bit, we're pictured as priests in that temple. What are we here for? It says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We are here to glorify him. We're here to declare his praises. We do that literally in our songs and our prayers, but also in our lives as they bring honour to him. As we declare his praises to him, as we declare his praises to one another to encourage each other, as we declare his praises to the world out there and say, come join us, come and be part of what God is doing. Praise God for calling us out of the dark, bringing us into the light, for choosing us, setting us apart. God is so good to us in building himself a temple. Which leads us to the next bit. Where do we fit in in that? If God is building a temple, what, where are we? Well, Christians are the church. Christians are the church. We are what church is made of. Let's read verse 4 and 5 again as a list of building materials. It says, As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. The church is made of living stones, that is, people. There is a sense in which Christians don't go to church. Christians are the church. 
The temple God is building is made up of human beings. Now, I'm not suggesting after the service we head out into the garden and form a human pyramid. That might be fun, though. Maybe that's a a youth activity to do sometime. But that could be a good picture of what is going on in church, this sort of structure made of us all together like that. We're redoing the church website soon. What kind of pictures should you have on a church website? Do we show shots of the building? Well, yes, it's helpful if people get a bit of an idea of what they'll see when they get in and a bit of an idea that they've come to the right place. But we're going to need pictures of people, aren't we? Because church is people. And not just stock images of people. It's us. This church is us. People gathered together like this. People chatting over coffee. People meeting to read the Bible in each other's homes. People praying together. People caring for each other. People having fun together. People eating meals together. People comforting each other. Spurring each other on. Church is not a faceless institution. It is people. It's people united together as closely as bricks in a wall. You can't just pull one of them out and assume it's going to stay up. It's not Jenga. Maybe it is like Jenga when it falls down. (laughs) We're being built together by God. And so you can look at it and go, well, there's a brick there called Neil, and there's another brick there called Rachel, and and a brick called Carl and there's Jeanette and Bill and Lynn and David and Tina and there's Roger and there's Anne and it's all being put together into this wall of one thing as church being made up of each person God has put there and that again that should change how we see church doesn't it it's not just a place that I go it's not just an event that I attend when I can an activity I do or I'm a spectator for Church is who we are. Is that how we see ourselves? That church is somewhere I just go to? Or is it something that we are? Our society is very individualistic, isn't it? We are all isolated people. We're all doing our own thing. And somebody says to you, who are you? And you answer it in solo mode. This is my name. This is my job. This is what I do. These are my accomplishments, me on my own. Rather than sort of thinking if in a totally different culture, you say, who are you? You say, oh, I'm so-and-so, the son of this person. I'm from this town. Um, I'm this person's friend, this person's child, this person's neighbor. I'm part of this family. I'm part of this church. That's who I am. If you're a Christian, you are not just a brick by the side of the road. You're part of the house. You belong Can I say that to you, especially if you don't feel like you belong, either in church or anywhere else? Christians are the church. You do belong here. You are wanted here. You are welcome here. Yes, it's a building site. Yes, it's sometimes very messy. And sometimes the relationships require work. But we work through those things because we belong together. Because like it or not, easy or not, all believers are part of the church. That beautiful wild, worldwide church. And because of that, we're part of local churches, little outposts, little expressions of that wider reality. We're not just united in theory. Because that, that, that's one thing to say, like, oh, I love church in theory. But we're actually united in practice, in the nitty-gritty of everyday life. We're actually supporting each other through hardships. 
we're actually bearing with each other through frustrations. That should be our aim, that we more fully reflect the truth that we are united. Just as like a building is one thing, it's not just a pile of unrelated bricks. So we're a community. We're not just a weekly meeting. We're not just a building. We're a spiritual house being built by God, made up of men and women and boys and girls like us. Christians are the church. But notice how it is Christians who are the church. It's not just any old group of people. Every time you see a couple of people hanging around together on a street corner, well, that's a church. No, it's Christians in particular who are bricks in the building. And that's because the building is about Jesus. The building's about Jesus. Or to put it another way, Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus is the cornerstone. Of all the bricks in the building, Jesus is the most important. You see that in verse 6 and 7. It says, For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to you who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Jesus is the cornerstone. What does that actually mean? What is a cornerstone? Well, unsurprisingly, it's it's a building thing. It's the most solid, the most important, the first, normally the biggest stone in a building. As its name suggests, it would be placed uh, at the front, on the front corner. And it would be perfectly cut, meticulously positioned, so that every other stone just needs to line up with that one, and it will be perfectly placed. So if you line up with that cornerstone, well, then the front's going to end up where it's supposed to be, and the sides aren't going to be off wonky, and, uh, and the walls will actually go up. They won't lean back or lean forwards. They're going to be straight With the cornerstone in place, the whole building's going to work. And that is Jesus. In the temple God's building, Jesus is the cornerstone. It all relies on him. And our place in the church comes from him. So if you want to be part of the church, you have to be connected to Jesus. Verse 4 and 5 show us the way in. It says, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. So we get built into the church as we come to him. As people turn and put their trust in Jesus, they're made part of the people, one by one, being added into the building as each person comes to Jesus. And in the life of the church as well, how is it that we get really stuck in and involved in this? And it's not just by doing lots of stuff. It is by coming to Jesus that we come together. So imagine a triangle. You've got Jesus at the top, and then at the bottom there's you, me, us. And on the other bottom corner is other Christians. So you've got sort of you, other Christians, and Jesus. Church is not just about us coming near to other people. There's you and me in our cozy club. That is not church. That, is, that could be anything, couldn't it? And, and it's completely off balance as well. But neither is church just about me snuggling up to Jesus, nice and close, just me by myself and him. 
And so I might come to this place, but in my head, really, it's just me and him time. Everybody else here is sort of a bit of a distraction, really, a bit of an unfortunate side effect of having to come here. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll be here for the thing and then I'm just going to go because I don't really, people is not the thing. Well, no, that's not church either, is it? Church is about us coming to Jesus in faith. And as we do that, we find that we're also going to come closer to other people who are also trying to come closer to Jesus. Our community life together, it's a byproduct of drawing near to Jesus. It isn't an optional extra. It's part of God's design that when Jesus is clearly the focus, when Jesus is clearly the cornerstone, a united church is going to form. You're not going to have any of the bottom corners trying to drag the triangle away to make, actually, this is all about me. No. Jesus is the cornerstone. The leaders of this church, we are not the cornerstone. This is not about you having to come and line yourselves up against us. Neither is anybody else here. We're just living stones, very, very glad to graciously be allowed to be part of it. It is Christ alone who is the cornerstone. Which is why church is all about Jesus. If you go to a church, if you find a church that isn't all about Jesus, that might actually not be a church. Because the cornerstone's gone. It's not structurally sound. You need to get out. The church must be all about Jesus. It's not about us. It's not about how good we are or how good we should be. It's not even just about God generally or a vague religiousiness. It's about Jesus specifically. It's only because of Jesus we get to be part of it. It's only because of him that anything we do is worthwhile. Like in verse 5, it talks about how we're a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So it's only through Jesus that our prayers and our praises, our serving, our sacrificing, us, we, are acceptable to God. It's only because of Jesus. And so church is a place, church is a people, where he is front and center, where the gospel is front and center, where it ought to be. So we gather together like this to remind each other of him, to remind each other of what he's done. We call each other to repent and trust in him again. We show each other grace the way that he showed us grace. It's all about Jesus, the cornerstone. Because you might have noticed it's not like that outside church, is it? People outside the church community they are not all about Jesus. He's God. He should be the focus. But he gets pushed away to the sidelines. Church, however, is where Jesus takes pride of place. Because we're the ones who see him as he is. There's a number of times in this passage that our reaction to Jesus and the world's reaction to Jesus get contrasted. So have a look at verse 7 and 8. They make this comparison. Talking about Jesus as the cornerstone, it says... Now, to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to you who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And that's because they disobey the message. They don't believe it. So if you believe in Jesus, 
you're understanding who he is. You're seeing why he's so important. And so we cling to him. We think he's precious. We think he's amazing. But if you don't believe, well, then you're rejecting Jesus. You're throwing him away. You're saying that's not important. I don't know if you've made a Lego model recently. We've just had Christmas, so there's been a few models to do. You get all the little pieces. You get the books of instructions. And sometimes they are, really are a book, aren't they? The more complicated it gets. And some of the pieces in the model, you can see exactly what it is. You go, oh, okay, that's the steering wheel. That's great. I'll hang on to that. And then other bits, you go, what on earth is that one? Just a little stick thing. I'll pop that to one side. I won't be needing that. And then the time comes, that little piece is the one that holds it all together. So the big chunky block, well, there's loads of those. You could replace that easy. Or the sticker you could put on the front. That might not be a nice finishing touch, but you don't need it. It's that one little piece that you throw away that actually holds all of it together. And that is Jesus. He's the stone that the builders rejected. And it turns out he is the cornerstone. They've made a massive mistake. They have thrown him away when it turns out he's the one they need. So they kill him and hang him on a cross. Turns out he's going to rise as king of the world. They dismiss him as a myth. Well, it turns out he's very, very real and he wants to talk with them. They turn him away as unnecessary. But he's actually their only hope of salvation. And so instead of saving them, this says he's going to judge them. He's going to be the one they stumble over. It's that same stone that for us, it's absolutely everything. That for other people, well, it'll be their destruction. Don't let that be us. Let's be people who see him for what he is. And so build everything around him. Let's not reject him or belittle him or try to do life without him. Jesus is the cornerstone. That's what God says. And Christians are just people who agree with God. We're saying, yes, yeah, I agree with you. Jesus is absolutely precious. And because of that, we're on the right side of things. He's not just an offcut that he's chucking in the skip. He is the cornerstone. So trusting him is the only sensible thing to do. Verse 6 says, the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Because there's a lot of things we might feel ashamed of in the meantime. But when all is said and done, when the building works over, when the ribbon is cut and the temple is finally unveiled, the only thing that's going to be mattering is being a brick in that wall. It might feel like we're outliers and weirdos and misfits and we're fixating on this thing that nobody else really cares about. But church is where we see reality. We see things as they are. And that's why we belong here. We need those reminders, don't we? There's a lovely detail in verse 4 that's easy to skip over, but I think it's really encouraging. It talks about, as you come to him, the living stone, we've read this a bit, haven't we? Rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, etc., etc. It's that bit between the dashes. Who is that talking about? Who is rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him? Well, it's Jesus, obviously, isn't it? The, the Bible verses quoted later talk about him as rejected, as chosen, as precious. But I think on another level, it can refer to us as well, that he's the living stone and we are also living stones. That he was rejected by people and so are we because of our faith. 
And the whole of this letter of 1 Peter is about living as strangers, as exiles, as outcasts, and yet as people who, in Jesus, we are chosen, we are precious to God. That is not what it looks like, is it? Jesus is not what he looks like. Christians are not what people think we are. Because God is building a temple. He's building it out of us. And Jesus is the cornerstone of that. As we finish, I just want to apply this to anyone who might feel a bit jaded about church. For, For people for whom it's been painful or frustrating, something you'd rather pull away from rather than lean into. Just look at these verses and see the glory of the church. See the privilege of being part of it. It doesn't say, you've been made part of the church. Just look at all the rotors you could be part of. Just look at all the meetings you could go to. Look at all the awkward people you could put up with. And who might put up with you. No, it says, look about how you've been called into the light. Look how you've been called to join the chorus of praise among everyone who's been saved. Look at this beautiful thing that God's doing. Look at how wonderful Jesus is and how much more clearly he's wonderful when together we lift him up. Look at how unique the gospel is. It takes bashed up lumps like me, like you, and unites us together into something strong, something that can stand when times are difficult, when we'd rather not be stuck in a wall next to so-and-so, they'd rather not be stuck with us, we see that God builds beautiful things out of rubble. Let's look at the blueprints. Look at what it will be. Look at what it really is and get involved anyway. The story goes of three builders on a site. You might have heard this. And a child goes up to them and goes, What are you doing? What are you doing? And the first one goes, moving heavy bricks around. That's what I'm doing. The second one, he goes up to him and goes, what are you doing? And I'm putting one thing on top of another over and over and over. And he says to the third one, what are you doing? And he smiles and says, I'm building a temple. He can see that bigger picture. He can see how his little piece is adding to the whole thing. And what an enormous honor that is. Why don't we pray that that would be our experience as well?